the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the Scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com, or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, training director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So we will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And always, we are thanking you for joining us here on the Sunday evening. A wet, rainy Sunday evening here in South Texas. I, I mean, I don't know what's happening. Is this global warming, warming, or climate change, or what? We're we're turning into a Garden of Eden down here. Wouldn't you love, Jacob? Wouldn't you love to fly into San Antonio these days? Take a flight somewhere, go to California, go to some foreign country like that, and uh, and come flying back into Texas and over. I bet you South Texas is just beautiful. Honestly, I bet it just. Of course, you know, San Antonio is a city built in, in a forest, and so it's it's green and lush. I, I would just, I would love to get up. I, I'm almost tempted to take a trip somewhere just so I can fly back uh-huh. uh, and and see it. Uh, by the way, folks, Jacob is here with us, uh, ready to ask some questions in just a moment. We're going to put some questions out from the book of Acts uh, primarily tonight. Uh-huh. That's what we focused on this last week. Acts chapter 4 through 16. 
Those are our scheduled readings for this time of the year, this past week. So we're I I, I enjoy very much the book of Acts, the the early history following the death, resurrection, ascension of Messiah. Uh, then the disciples follow his instructions. They stay in. Uh, Jerusalem, we talked about last week, the, the 50 days after Passover, the Pentecost, this this promised, anticipated arrival, and I'll use that word arrival, not like, not not in the sense of location, it's a kind of a funny sense. You know, you cannot apply the prepositions in the sense of location, you cannot apply prepositions to God, and, and we do it all the time, we say, you know, the the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit came down, uh, God is up, and, and, of course, none of those apply because God is everywhere present at all times. It, it, when you see prepositions in the Scripture that related to God, applying to God, you have to think more in terms of what it tells us about the relationship. Uh, if God is up, it's because He is superior. He, We acknowledge His greatness, His grandeur. He's above us, in a sense. Uh, and that sort of thing. But anyway, the Holy Spirit comes, arrive in this special or new, uh, oh, should I use the word dispensation or not, Jacob? Does that, uh, that's yeah, that's up to you. That's a live word, isn't it? Uh, well, that's okay. That's not a problem. I will point out that in the Bible, um, anytime you leave Israel, it always says you go down. But anytime you go back to Israel, <laughs> okay. it always says you go All up. Right. Up. Right. You right? Don't I cut get, me off. I said I up. All right. I now, I'm not talking about Israel or uh, geology or uh, geogra- geogra- geography. Well, I'm talking actually, about in terms of relating to God. Yeah, well, me too. God but what up. I'm saying is is that Israel as a landmass is not above the lands in other places. True. So it's not talking All about right. geography. Uh, okay, so they're they're making uh they're making a point about yeah. about Israel, which is fine, and, and that's that's well, another you topic. Said, can I, use this and say, I don't equate that. I don't equate that to talking about God Himself. Uh, well, so, no, of course not. That's so, not God, right? I know you wouldn't you wouldn't do that. So anyway, the 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 point is is that we're talking about the coming. Uh, the arrival, the coming down of the Holy Spirit to be this new era, this new time, and this new way of God's relating to his people. And the book of Acts starts out the, I guess, would you call it the era of the Gentile? This is the, would you? Actually, this is totally my putting it together, but I equate it to, I like the word you said, equate, so I'm going to equate I equate it to the book of Exodus. Exodus. Uh-huh. Exodus is uh-huh. one of the early books in the Bible. Sure. Yeah. sure. <laughs> oh, let me see. I've heard of that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the book of Exodus, uh, the c- coming out of uh, Egypt. Well, you got that Paul, he's traveling these journeys. In some sense, mm. he's a, a, a modern-day Moses at that time, you might say. And he's doing all that. So I've always, in my mind, mm. kind of equated it equilibrium-wise as Exodus. I, I, Not I, that I, I'm right. Yeah. I think I would see it more as in terms of the Old Testament, uh, uh, relating it to the t- uh, Tanakh, uh, I would see it more like uh, uh, Joshua. Not, Joshua. Not, not so much the coming out of Egypt, but the going in to the promised land. That's what I see. The, uh, now we've come, the, the, the gospel 
uh, the gospel message, the gospel, the well, good news, well, redemptive plan I is argue, now I can't argue to with you because he certainly ends up in Rome if that's the promised land and so No, 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 no. I'm not talking about a physical promise. I'm talking I about. No, I'm just. Yeah, I know. Change. I know you are. But it, 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 it equates the idea of going into uh, the promised land, into Israel, uh, with the idea of coming into. Uh, coming into our fullness. In, what, doesn't the writer of Hebrews call it entering into our rest? And, and it all starts here in the oh, book of Acts. Oh, so he's going into the rest of the world. <laughs> that yeah, that as well. But now, I guess <laughs> what I'm saying is that the, the redemptive uh, plan is now uh, out there in its fullness, in its completion. It's all there. Messiah has come. Atonement has been made in time and space. Not in the future tense of you, you know, like anticipating that thing, time and space. Yeah, I do you? like it. It's kind of woo, kind of like a Star Wars yeah. guy, but it's taking place woo-hoo. in real history. Yeah, and, and taking place in time and space, and uh, it has been completed. As Jesus, said, it is finished. It's done, and it's now, done. and now he has ascended. Uh, Messiah has ascended. The spirit, the new era has re- sure, come, sure, sure, sure. and we are. I just, I just love the Book of Acts. It, it has, it's this incredible beginning of this new era, and of course, it's explosive. Uh, these four or five mission trips by uh, the Apostle Paul, yeah. uh, this converted first century rabbi, and and it's just all. Amazing! It's just astounding how it spreads across the Roman Empire and 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 so on. It, it's uh, I I I like it. It's very very exciting. Um, millions, I I don't think we're uh, exaggerating to say millions of people swept into the kingdom of God by this new message of that you can have a confident, secure relationship with the true well, and living may God. May I offer a fact that will support what you're yeah. saying? Yes, please. Well, I like that. I, I, yes, I know you like support. <laughs> uh, Send your checks and money into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, not the kind of support. The, um, yeah. the, okay, no, but I will tell you, in the year 400 A.D., uh-huh. the Christians call it A.D., uh-huh. the Jews call it something else. The book of Malachi, right? Uh, About the time of the writing a- of the book. A.D., A.D. Oh, A.D., A.D., yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I know Domini, uh, uh, the year of our Lord. Okay. But okay. anyway, back to the most interesting point I uh-huh. was about to this make. This is after, uh-huh. yeah. So, in the year 400, mm-hmm. the New Testament was actually in 500 different languages. Right. Oh, how about that? That so it certainly could be, as you say, millions of people. Yeah. However, I must quickly add that what happened? What happened? Well, in the year five hundred, a mere one hundred years later, it was reduced down to only one language. Yeah, I know, and that was Latin, right? That was Latin, yes. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so so it certainly could be uh, construed as being, as you say, millions of people. I think so. I really think so. It just it just exploded on the world scene, and uh, it must have indicated there were millions of people spiritually hungry they 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 longed for a a relationship with the creator with god they desired it they wanted it they wondered about it and here comes this message saying hey you're in luck he wants a relationship with you too he loves you he cares about you and he has done something so that you can be reconciled to him and by trusting in what he has done and this this savior this redeemer you can come into a conf- by faith into a confident, secure relationship uh, with God Himself during this life and on into eternity. Who? I mean, it was just it was the right time, the right moment, as 
the writer of Galatians say, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. It, it just just perfect. I, I, I like the book of Acts so very much. So we'll talk about it, all of these kind of things. Maybe you can talk about it. Uh, and what, I, what I hope it engenders in you folks is a, an excitement, a thrill, a joy about the gospel, about our relationship with God. I mean, this is not all just just a bunch of academic and cerebral type things in history. This is about real life, about people's lives being transformed and changed and finding fulfillment and joy and delight in life. Uh, that's that's what it's all about. It's not about just uh, you know finding an answer and checking off boxes in our <laughs> our theological, our doctrinal. Uh, um, uh, scorecard here. Although Jacob has some comments too tonight about what was it you said you had some questions about? Um, well, it's going to be one of your questions <clears throat> that you've written that I get to choose. All right, all right. Uh, about uh, the Ethiopian and his chariot and asking ah, what he's reading. Yes, a very, very interesting story. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get uh, to that. Let me ask him questions from the two questions from the book of Proverbs. I wouldn't and have in, it any other way. And you ask four questions from the book of Acts. Okay, if you got right, if you got them ready from the book of Proverbs. Uh, Look, according to Proverbs chapter 12, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, Proverbs twelve eighteen, name something that brings healing. Everybody's talking about healing these days, right? A cocker right? spaniel? With medical... <laughs> Probably one of the better answers. You know, just off the top of your head, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Name something that brings healing. You know, the health issues and health plan of America and uh, abundant. You know, what is it? Affordable health care and all that. Well, everybody's talking about health and healing and the medical care. What? Proverbs has an answer. Proverbs twelve eighteen. Name something that brings healing. All right. And then here's another question for you. Uh, we've just finished with the National Day of Prayer on May the uh, May the what was it May the um, uh, May fifth. Yeah. Who's counting? Who? But who's counting? If sin brings disgrace to a people, this is a verse that's often quoted uh-huh. in these gatherings. If sin brings disgrace to a people, to a society, what is it that exalts a nation? What is it that uh, lifts a nation and, and exalts a nation? All right, that's Proverbs 14, verse 34. 34. All right, we're ready for uh, four questions now from the book of Acts. Okay. If you If you want to answer any of these questions, give us a call, 340-9585, 340-9585, and we'd love to get your call. Put you on the air and let you answer a question, and uh, maybe if you want to ask a question as well, if you want to ask something that's been on your mind or have a comment to make about the scriptures or about uh, almost anything as it relates to our our relationship with God and and, and the role of the scriptures perhaps in that, give us a call. 340-9585. You're listening to the Bible Live Quiz Show. Okay. And you've already answered mine about what the phone number was. Yes. Uh, Are you ready? That was your first question? Uh, What's the phone number? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Okay. All right, you ready? Uh-huh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I, I think I'm ready, but I'm I'm never quite ready, especially when Jacob. Uh-huh. Uh, now Jacob is bringing to us in our looking at the scriptures every week. Uh-huh. He's bringing to us that all important, very unique, and powerful perspective of the Hebrew language, the Hebrew people, uh, their understanding of God. That they've they've for centuries they've been looking at the words of this book, uh, the Bible. 
and looking and understanding it and exploring it and writing about it. And so he's bringing us that that very important perspective, culture, linguistic, religion, historical perspective of the Bible, and it is incredibly enriching. I'll I, I, thank you. you so much. Thank you very, very much. Well, very, I mean it I have to say very from much. the depths of my uh-huh. rather voluminous abdomen. Uh-huh. Well, okay, I'll leave that where it is. <laughs> okay. At any rate, I would like to note when you read that thing about a sin brings disgrace, what uh, exalts. I thought you were talking about uh, I am the exalt and the light. Oh, no, salt and pepper sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, no, salt no, and the light. Nothing no. like okay, that. Not, okay, let's go down to your number eight. All right, I'm ready. Uh, when Philip witnessed to the Ethiopian eunuch on the road to Gaza, what book of the uh, Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, was the eunuch reading from, and why was he confused? The answer is in Acts 8, 30 through 35, and I'd like to talk about that one a little bit. All right. And then on your number two, one I would really like to touch on. So question. Right. Yeah, question. Is that the same Gaza that we talk about today? Yes. Is that right? How about that? Been around a long time. Mm. You going to go look for the guy I talked mm. about? <laughs> yeah, I would be, if I could, I would. I'd tell you, that would be fun. All right. Here's the next one. Uh-huh. This is what you got, number 28. Oh, I'm making it number two. Okay. Uh, what was determined... At the Church Council of Acts 15. Okay? Okay. And I have somebody would call, I really, really like to talk about that one. That's why I listed it as number two. Very good. Some A lot of you have questions about what were these church councils all about? How did, And there's a lot of rumors about the, how they were functioned, and they were just a bunch of people, a bunch of elites telling everybody else what they had to believe. And, well, now this is going to be a good example of how our church councils. There was a lot of, um, it was rather organic in, in reality, people coming from all parts of the of the empire uh, with their experiences and their their messages. And uh, you, you can watch it. This first church council take place in Acts chapter 15. A very important, very important decision was made uh, that affects the history of the church, even to the times in which we are living now. Uh-huh. Okay. You ready for the third one? I am ready. All right. Uh, you're number 15, which uh-huh. is now number three. All right. What vision was given three times to Peter, Peter in Joppa? And what did it mean? Acts chapter 10, verse 11 through 29. Yeah, verse, well, give a, us the answer. That's and a very we well-known uh, Well, story, we should talk it? about this. Okay. We should talk about this because sometimes I will. Don't worry, Soapy. Don't panic. I will uh-huh. not say a name. But sometimes I listen to different uh, Christian radio talk shows uh-huh. in San Antonio. Uh-huh. And sometimes I just hold my head in my hands and think, God, I pity that congregation. Because the guy, the guy goes on, I just think, he doesn't even read this stuff, which you'll see in a minute. Well, and sometimes I feel like I don't understand it oh, that no, well. Oh, no, you're, you're way beyond me. No, I'm telling oh, you. Oh, no, you're some, way beyond me. <laughs> some, of the times, some of the things you share are so insightful and so helpful, and it really does make a difference to us Gentile believers to have that perspective. Remember, these men and women... The Messiah himself, he's a Jew. They're Jewish. They come out of that culture, that language, that tradition, that history. And if, and if, if we don't know that and bring that to bear, we're like we're living on the outer layer of the onion. We're just eating the outer layer and really enjoying it. But once you kind of get into the what, 
what they what they're saying. It's not like it dramatically transforms and changes the message of the gospel, but it enriches and deepens our understanding. And it's so incredible. Well, I think we can agree, though, that even though some of those nuances and understandings may be a little different. Oh, they may be a little wrong, too. Well, no, 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 I'll say different, but that... I'll just say uh, right or wrong. Okay. It doesn't affect somebody's faith or their belief. I think we could agree on that. Yeah, I, I think so. Most of the things, well, I would say 100% of the things, nothing has ever undermined uh, my understanding my about who Jesus was, what God was doing, the redemptive plan of God, and so on. And I don't think it's ever been your intention at all. But I, I would say that most of the time the insights you bring, well, they're really cool, and I, I and I just they give me an added information that I can bring to the scripture to make up my own minds about what well, does that make that makes sense. I explains that passage better than what I had understood it before, and uh, I really mean that. I, I think that you you've really helped me an awful lot, and I think a lot of our almost all of our listeners would say the same thing. By the way, I got to say this: this morning I finally heard a preacher a message a sermon where someone talked about the. Uh, the woman of Samaria, the Samaritan woman that Jesus spoke with at the at the uh, uh, at the well, Jacob's well there in outside the little <laughs> the little town of Sakar, uh, and he that was my well. He made that yeah, that's your well. The, he made that statement about uh, in explaining the passage and kind of getting the dynamic of the passage that well, the Jewish people at that point they just. At that time, they really, and I hate to say it, but he, I hate to say it, but he uses no, the word okay, hate. it's okay, because I'm very familiar with it. Yeah, and I know they hated the Samaritans. And in my mind, I just cringed. I thought, oh, okay. man, you know. And maybe some of the, there were some, maybe possibly. Well, maybe, the and all, yeah, there maybe. maybe were some dizzy, uh, well, they were sure. uncomfortable or that well, sort of thing. But sure. I, I, I remembered our conversation. I thought, oh, I'm not well, so sure. Well, it's nowhere in the Bible. It, it didn't. It's, it's one of those mythologies that it seems that religions make up and the jews are as guilty of it as christians sometimes but that's but, why you're here but <laughs> that's why i is, pay you the big bucks right uh-huh. okay can Help i set ask, can i have a raise please can you yes you may i'll double what i've given okay. you so right. far right. okay let's go to your okay. fourth question fourth question and then sandy's one. on the line okay uh, sandy wants to answer one of the first three Oh, go ahead and put your fourth question out there. Okay, four like is uh, uh, your number two. One couple, Anias and Safria, sold property and gave the offering of some money, falsely claiming that they were giving all the proceeds. What happened to them? The answer is in Acts chapter three, uh, chapter 5, verse 3 to 11, and we'll get to talk about that. Yes, and some people say that this is an example of uh-huh. of uh, socialism being yes. preached and being in, in, uh, encouraged well, in the New Testament. Let's see if we can disabuse them of that. Says, Ananias and Sapphira, they sold some property. They gave an offering of some of the money, uh-huh. falsely claiming that they were giving all of the money, all of the proceeds uh-huh. of the sale. And what happened to this couple? And if I remember correctly from our discussions even last year, so we got lots of questions you, online. You got an interesting take on that. I, I like your well, it's, it's explanation. It's only because it happens. All right, here we go. Let's go visit with Sandy. Sandy's line. on the line with oh, us. Hi, Sandy. Hi. I'm so glad you called in tonight. Getting us started with a, an exciting way. Did you hear a question you wanted to answer, or um, maybe you had a question or a thought of your own? Well, the one that you were just talking about, they died. When they lied, they died. When they lied? Hey, you're dead. Hey. You're lying. You, are you a lawyer, Sandy? 
<laughs> no. They lied, they died. That that sounds like uh, what's that lawyer out in California? You know, if it don't fit, you must have quit. Uh, well, he they died. did. They lied, they died. And, of course, I just hope that's not generally a rule because I'm afraid I've told a few lies along through the life. Um, some of them intentional. Some of them maybe at times a little in ignorance. But it didn't always. This was a very special situation. Um, can you give me some of your thoughts? I don't know. I don't want you to. I don't want to put you under the uh, under pressure here, but kind of why do you think that in this particular case they were given such a stiff uh, penalty for for telling? Yeah, it was wrong, and it was it's like lying on your uh, income tax, maybe it's sort of a thing, but it had these dire consequences for their lives. Why do you think it was such a uh, that God brought about such a severe? Uh, punishment in that in those terms are severe consequences for this lie, Sandy. What do you think was going on? Well, well I think that the Book of Acts is a transitional book. Uh-huh. I think that it's just real strong the things that happened there, and it um, it was given as an example what he think what God thinks of lying. I, I think you're, right. you're right. It's a transition book for, to the time, the the era, the time of the church, and. And an example, I guess, is being set here about how important integrity and honesty is, and uh, it could well be. We see some of that happen in the. Don't we see Jacob? Some of that happened in the Old Testament as well. Uh, after the giving of the law, <clears throat> we see that fellow that. I'm sorry. <clears throat> we see that fellow that was uh, picking up sticks on on a Sabbath day, and he was actually uh, executed. Now we know that. More than he wasn't just trying to build, working on the Sabbath. He was building a, a, an altar, an, idolatry. An, an idol. An idol. But he paid a severe price for his uh, yeah. disobedience. And and I've always thought in a way that was, it, it might have been, at the time of this is so important, God's dealing with the people of Israel. And now God's beginning to deal with the, the, the church that uh, that's opened up broader to bringing people in. And it's like Sandy said, it's sort of a transition and it's it's sort of setting the pace of look. This is not going to start out with a bunch of dishonesty and and uh, and you know tax evasion and that sort of thing. Could that hold water? What what is your thoughts on that particular experience? Well, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, he had made a covenant. He was at Mount Sinai. He went after that, and then he is making uh, an uh, idol. And the truth is, he was doing it on the Sabbath, making an idol, and his damage would have been far-reaching and taught other people to do it, which would have started, quote-unquote, a plague. Could that have been what may, a part of this experience yeah, well, of Ananias and Sapphira? Certainly, certainly it could be part of it, but I would draw the comparison between uh, in chapter 4 prior to chapter 5, where there's a guy named Barnabas. Can, okay, Barnabas, can uh-huh. you hear me? Okay, okay. It was a guy named Barnabas. Now, he is a Levite. Okay? Uh Uh-huh. And he's in a a Cyprian country, country, different land other than Israel. Oh, there's our first break already coming up. Well, at least we got the questions out. That was great. Yeah. Now, you're going to talk about Barnabas up in the uh, Antioch of Assyria, right? Well, he's he's a Cypriot by birth. Uh And he sold a piece of land that was there in the other land. Yes. The difference is Ananias and Sapphira was selling a piece of the land of Israel. Interesting. 
Sandy, thank you for calling in. Stay with us and hear the rest of what Jacob is going to talk about, the difference between a piece of property in Israel and uh, this other experience of Barnabas selling a piece of land outside of the nation. Uh, I guess, it, how does that relate to the lie that we're told? We'll come back, take more of your calls, 340-9585. Thank you, Sandy, for calling. Don't go away, folks. This is the Bible Live Quiz Show. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Lex Rest Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work, we had got our oil done before. It could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't very expect nice. to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. If you're new to San Antonio and want to find a church that fits your needs or just want to learn more about a church in the area, go to the church directory page at kslr.com. That's kslr.com. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Thank you for joining us. Second segment of the Bible Live Quiz Show. We've had Sandy calling in answering the question about Ananias and Sapphira, this couple that sold some property and then lied falsely about it. The 
They thought they claimed that they gave all the proceeds to the church offering, and they didn't. And as a consequence, they both died, and uh, it really seems severe. But we've uh, we've talked a little bit about why would that happen in that era and in, in, uh, in that important moment, and uh, maybe that maybe that is a part of the answer is that it was such an important moment in the foundational. Years well, of the, of the church. indeed, I'd never take away from that, but indeed it could. But the comparison story, and as you know, the number five would not be there traditionally, but the five is inserted. So what that means is we're supposed to get the comparison between Barnabas, who's a Levite. Now, we all know the Levites, they can own a home to live in, uh-huh. but they can't own a parcel of land in the land of Israel. So they're making a big stressful point about, hey, this is a Levite, but he's not selling any property except where? In another country. They can't own land in Israel. Uh-huh. Why? Because that's a holy land. They've got a job to do to be a, a priest. Okay. Now, the other, so he sold his, now it's uh, Ananias and Sapphira, if you look at verse uh, 3, it says, uh, You have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept back some of the price. So they're not just lying to these guys. They're lying to God. So what's going on is this. You've got to know that the land, uh, when you sell a piece of land in Israel, first of all, you never own the land. The land is owned by God. The deeds say you have possession of it. In fact, mm-hmm. many of the earlier translations of the, this passage in the New Testament will say possession. Mm-hmm. You have possession. You don't have ownership. Mm-hmm. And then every so often, when you've sold the land, you have to return it to the owner, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. In order to maintain the integrity of the tribal allotments exactly that were given. Exactly so. Okay. So God has assigned that. So And it's assigned by, like, years. So let's say there's six years left on a seven-year duty. Well, and let's say I said, okay, I'm not going to sell it for what's really old six years. I'm going to do ten I'm going to do 10. So I, I'm going to put that aside and put it in my pocket. I'm supposed to sell it for, according to God's law. If i got six years, I should sell it for the six years remaining. But let's say I sold it for a few bucks more. And I said, actually, I'm going to go 10. But I'll put those bucks in my pocket. But everybody will think I'm obeying the law because I put a few extra bucks. Uh-huh. So this is lying to God is what this is about. And it only pertains in the land of Israel. That's why you've got the comparison story just before this of Barnabas, who's a Levite, who doesn't have land in Israel. And sold a piece had, of property outside yeah, of Israel. So you've got this comparison. So you've very got to good. understand what these, what's yeah, going on. Very, very, very good. And uh, uh, now, there's, there's another connection, too. Yes, what is uh, that? Okay, the other connection is that when this year of release comes, or returning of the property. Is that every 49 years or every, no, is this the every that's seven jubilee. years? That's Jubilee. Aren't we in the uh, year of Jubilee now, right now? We passed it last year. Now we're in the year that all the Jews do what you're familiar with as a term, Sermon on the Mountain. Okay. All right. It's actually, it's Hachel, and it's all Jews do that. And the that's reading what, of the law, yeah, too. It, well, the reading of the Torah. Torah actually, okay. the book of Deuteronomy. So when Jesus was doing that, he was actually doing what's always been done, and it's always it's commanded in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, what's wrong with my saying the reading of the law? That's not the same. Oh, I was going to bring that up because the Greeks, and it's so good because we're going into chapter 8, and that's uh-huh, one thing uh, I want to touch on. Of the book of Acts. Yeah, yeah. If I say the word law, the Greeks had the idea that if it's God's law and it's man's law, it's law. Law is law. Man's law, rabbinical law, is mm-hmm. called halakha. But if I translate it, technically it would be law. 
But they took the Torah, okay. the first five books, and translated it to the word law. Okay. You kind of got to know which one it, okay. it is. I get it. And so really, when it says law many times, it should not say law. It should say Torah. All right. Very good. Very Well, let me, let me give another question to replace the one that uh, Sandy answered for us. A popular Pharisee of that era, of the time of the writing of the book of Acts, a popular Pharisee, a recognized expert on the law, I assume that means the Torah, right? Uh, that would probably be correct. Oh, maybe the rabbinical law, too. I'm not sure. A recognized expert on the law, he advised the high council against killing the apostles because they came under persecution in these early years uh, by the, the religious hierarchy and, and political uh, leaders of the land at the time. And, and living, Remember, a very corrupt era in the nation of Israel at this time. He advised them against killing the apostles on the chance that they might they just might be, quote, fighting against God, unquote. Who was this leader whose students included a young Pharisee named Paul of Tarsus? Who was this influential leader who warned the uh, high council against killing, uh, punishing the apostles uh, by uh, killing them? Who was this leader whose student included a young Pharisee named Paul of Tarsus. What was his name? You'll find the answer in Acts chapter 5, verse 34. You know, Acts 5, 34. That's so, great. And, and uh, what's going on, but I do want to point out at the last sentence, 5, 4. They say, you have not lied to men but to God from Ananias and Sapphira. Okay, going on. Let's go and uh, take a, a call. From, let's see, uh, let me look at the list again. Uh, uh, okay, let's go take and talk with Harold tonight. Calling in on Bible Live Quiz Show. Hi, Harold. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good to hear from you. How you it's, liking all this rain? It's so good to hear from you, too. Yes. How you liking this rain? Oh, the rain's, of course, wonderful. We can't Stuff complain. We can never flowing. complain in South yeah. Texas. About, I, I met some folks this no, morning. We can't. I met some folks this morning from... Uh, I think it was either Washington State or Oregon, up there where it rains all the time. And I was just telling them how down here in drought-stricken Texas we were enjoying the rain so much. And he said, well, you thank us. We sent this all to you, you know, because they get yeah. a lot of rain up in that part. And she said, this is just, this is like we live all the time with this kind of rain going on. It was pretty amazing, actually. I think they were, yeah, they were I just bragging. Go ahead. Well, I just dropped my aunt back off at the or at the airport this morning about six. She actually lives in Pasco, Washington, oh, I and I think I know why I'm feeling so much better. And it might have something to do with uh, it says, uh, but the tongue of the wise promotes health, and it could be because I look into the Soapy Dollar Show a lot. Ah, uh, well, I'm be, sure that's it. That must gotta be it, Harold, for sure. Well, well that's one of your questions. Okay, yeah, that's one of your questions. Proverbs twelve eighteen. According to Proverbs twelve eighteen, I'm just trying to save time. Oh, well, you yeah. did a great job. Name something that brings healing. This might surprise a lot of folks. What is the answer? There it is. Oh, eighteen. Yeah, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. So I think I'm on the right line. <laughs> I like what you said. That's a very kind thing to say. The words of the wise. Well, it's true. The words of the wise bring healing. I knew a famous, uh, well, not a famous, but a, a beloved pastor here in our own city. 
that he, he used to t- teach on that particular passage. And he says that what he's telling us, folks, is don't let a loser tell you how to be a winner. <laughs> we have a lot of that going well, on in our culture. He's got the, you know, the Hollywood elite and people yeah. telling us about life and marriage mm-hmm. and love and romance. Mm-hmm. And, and most of them, you know, they have three or four marriages deep and all kinds of infidelities. Oh, yeah. And say, so don't let a loser tell you how to be a winner. Listen to the words of the wise. Well, you know, that's fascinating. Good lesson. I always tell you what somebody's thinking, what's going to happen, the future, who's going to vote for who, what's going to happen, but they can't tell you what time lunch is. <laughs> well, that, that has to be. Oh, I do have a question about your Acts, uh, your Acts 15, and just, just real quick, I do remember in the past when I called you and told you that I've been to my sister's church and you had said that you really enjoy hearing about the churches in the city and, you know, what the, the community and things like on, that. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and so that, uh, that's what I'm meeting over there at the um, Antioch Baptist Church, you know, with Pastor Camp. Yeah, I like that. And we happen to be referring back to the book of Acts a lot, from the, you know, the book of Galatians, uh-huh. and uh, that perspective on, uh, you know, it, that that word, that is a good, uh, that, that word can really open up your mind. And, well, anyway, getting back on topic, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, everybody's okay, you know, because I do visit other churches, and I know you don't mind you said so in the past. No, don't mind. I think um, you're very, uh, very healthy. Very, if you got the time and you got the freedom to do so, it could be very, very edifying to hear different... Well, I make the time. Well. And sometimes I'm late, but I get there just in time for tithing sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Acts <laughs> 15, verse 12, yes. it says, and this is for uh, Jacob, I... And it says, Then all the multitude kept silent and listened and to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Now, I, I was wondering, what, what are those miracles and wonders, if that's part of the topic? If it's not, we can move on to something else. But I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, does anyone know what those miracles were pertain to? Good. Uh, Good. And those wonders. Well, listen, that's, that's I'll, let, me leave, Jacob. let me leave the question out there on the airways as well, and Jacob can come in on it. You're talking about Acts 15, where we were discussing the church council and this this momentous decision that was taken there at the council. And, of course, part of that council was this missionary report given by Paul and Barnabas. Uh, I guess it's Paul and Barnabas, right? Or uh, might have been some other leaders, but talking about this this first mission journey that they had made and the, and the miracles of God, that the sign, the wonders that they had observed uh, out there in the mission field, and so they gave a good report to the church about those experiences as well. So very glad you called, Harold. I appreciate it. We're going to rush over and get it with uh, Thomas calling in now. Let's see if I can get bring Thomas up here. Hi, Thomas. Thank you for calling. Hello. We're glad you're on the phone with us tonight here at the quiz show. Appreciate your calling. Hi, Thomas. Hi there. Glad to talk with you. Can you turn your radio down? You're hear, you hey, hearing uh, a, little bit of, a little bit of a delayed signal. Uh, appreciate your calling tonight. What's on your mind? Did you want to answer one of our questions or maybe have a comment of your own? Well, I want to answer the Gamaliel. Oh, that's his name. Exactly. Let me see if I can find that. Uh, the question, so people number, know what we're talking. Uh, uh, you're number three. Okay, a popular Pharisee. 
a very intelligent individual uh, we know from other uh, sources of history. He was a recognized expert on the uh, Jewish law, uh, probably both the Torah and the rabbinical laws, I suppose. He advised the high council, the political power uh, of Israel at the time. He advised them against killing the apostles uh, for their um, supposed heresy on the chance that they might find themselves, quote, fighting against God. Who was this leader who, among whose students included this young Pharisee named Paul of Tarsus that will, of course, he figures very prominently into the early church history, the great missionary um, Paul of Tarsus of the first century. And you're exactly right. The leader's name was Gamaliel. Gamaliel. Uh, what, do, what do you know about him? Uh, can you tell us anything more about him, Thomas? What background do you have and know about this man? The only, the only thing I know is that he was a teacher that studied, Paul studied under him. Right. And, uh, and then the part you just talked about, that's the only two things I heard about. And uh, one, I have a question even about him. I say, he was teaching Paul, and Paul was, was lost as far as knowing the truth. Yes. So this man, even though he was so great in the Jewish religion, he didn't know the truth. Maybe because not. he was teaching because yeah. he was teaching Paul. Yeah, I, I get it. I really do, and I, I understand. Uh, I, um, I, I get it, and, and maybe uh, you know. I've often wondered about that relationship because, uh, of course, uh, he, he's mentoring this young uh, this young Pharisee as well, and teaching him. And uh, what role did Gamaliel's educational experience, you know, what what role does his teaching method perhaps have in the life of Paul? Could it have contributed in any way to uh, Paul's openness or Saul's openness to the message? He Saul, in the beginning, is very, very uh, opposed to the message of Christ, the Messiah, uh, Jesus, the way, and he goes about... Uh, uh, persecuting believers, uh, pursuing them, uh, putting them in prison, probably with the idea of heresy and so on, uh, teaching falsehoods about the true and living God. So he's very zealous uh, uh, for his faith, and yet something happens and his life is totally transformed and changed to become a great uh, a great uh, apologist, a great uh, missionary for the cause of Christ in the first century. Uh, I wonder, Jacob, can you tell us anything about Gamaliel? And what, well, what let me you, ask you, Thomas. When you looked at that, what well, did yeah, yeah. Th- you thought Thomas, about Thomas, uh, do you like to read yeah. very much? Or? Thomas is a big reader, aren't you, Tom? You like to read, I think. Yes, I've been okay. studying the There's Bible for 42 book. years. Uh-huh. Okay, great. There's a book called Paul. And I cannot remember the author, but it's very, very famous in the Christian literature world. And I believe it was written by a woman. And, uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, it's called Paul. It's got a brown cover, got a picture of a guy on it. You know, Not Paula. No, Paul. no, Paul, the guy in the Bible here. Hey, Paul. And, uh, and I'll say, if you'd like to read it, the lady did a lot of research, researched uh, Gamaliel, and, uh, and explained who he is, where he was educated, really did a lot, and even about his role in the connection with Tarsus and who Paul came from and a, a very wealthy father, actually. Anyway, have you had a chance to ever read that book, uh, Thomas? Okay. No, I say, have you read it? 
No, no, I never heard it. Well, you can pick it up for, I'm sure, about six about a few, uh, let, me, let me just say this. About 10, 15 years ago, even though I, I've heard a lot of, of, of uh, all these uh, teachers and guys that lived 100 and 200 years ago talking about and preaching about Jesus, I, I really respect all that. But in the last 10, 15 years, I, when I study the Bible, I just study what's written in, in the New Testament. I study, I read the whole Bible, and I study it, but my biggest interest is, is uh, what's taught in the New Testament. I was going to ask you a question. In, in the Old Testament, when, the, when they read the Torah, I guess that's what you would call it, the law, well, they would read it all day long to everybody at the same time, just straight out of the, what God gave uh, Moses. Probably most of the, uh, most times the, oh, wait, the book wait, of Deuteronomy. Let's, let's let's hear what uh, Nick most, Thomas most times has, has got De- to say here. Most times the book of Deuteronomy, right? Uh, yes. I, yeah. Well, whatever they had, whatever was given. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I want to tell you, by the way, uh, John, the producer here, was kind enough. He's really good at this, Thomas. I just want to tell you, if you want to go look, it's called Paul. It's written by Jerry Sumney, and I've read the book, and you might find it very interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'll see if I can locate yeah, it. I mean, it doesn't take. You know, Jerry Sumney, that's S as in Sarah, uh, U, M as in Mary, N as in Nancy, E-Y, Sumney. Yeah, you might, okay. you, you might find it interesting. To answer your question, first of all, I do want you to know that uh, while the Romans did take over initially, uh, the truth is you'll notice in the book of Luke, since you, know, you like the New Testament, and I encourage you to do that. I'm very glad for you. I'm proud of you. I encourage you to do exactly what you want to do. However, I will tell you that in the book of Luke, it says Jesus opened up the scroll or the book and found the place that said, and he reads from the prophets. Now, the reason I think he does that is this, is because later on, when the Romans kept having a lot of trouble with the Jews, they passed a death sentence. You could not read from the Torah. You could not have a Jewish calendar, and you could not circumcise your children. So, when you say they're reading from the Torah, actually one of the difficulties were they were not allowed to keep Torah. In fact, many Jews died secreting and hiding and sneaking out of Jerusalem with Torah. I remember yeah. remember that occasion, Tomas, when uh, Jesus went back and visited his hometown, uh-huh. uh, Nazareth, and he read, they gave him the scripture to read for oh, that that's, Sunday. That's in Luke. In the, in the Gospel of Luke, and he reads, uh, I believe he reads Isaiah 61. He, he reads Isaiah. And and uh, as you know, the Jews have two readings for every day. One was from the Torah, and one was from the uh, companion reading that came from the historical the, the prophets. prophets. And he was he did not read that day. He did not read the the Torah reading in that in that synagogue. And the the explanation for that, and actually Jacob has shown me the actual a copy of the actual. Uh, Roman law written in that era that it was a death sentence for reading from the Torah. And so we have that occasion of Jesus reading only the prophet uh, reading for that day. Uh, very, very well, right there, right? Yeah. But there is, so, yeah, this, the old, the new, to me, they're one continual revelation of God's redemptive plan. And, and of course, what, it comes to so its flowers in, you, in the New Testament. So yeah. what you said is correct. And Thomas, this is important to know. That as Sopi said there were basically a reading of the Torah, usually, traditionally. And then 
Uh, in fact, it's in the book of Acts. That's, uh, I think it's, it's going to be next week because it's in chapter 17, and it shows how right. it was done. You read the, the, the Torah, then you read the Paros, but that's for next week. Okay. Anyway, okay. What, I, what I want to tell you is thematically, thematically, the prophets always line up with some portion of the Torah. Now, if you were a school Jew and you were familiar with that, I could stand up and, because we all know the law, that I wasn't allowed to read the Torah. Uh-huh. But if I read that portion of Isaiah, that lines up with that portion of the Torah. It makes well, you remember all, that well, section. Well, all the Jews would know that Jesus is telling us something else. Uh-huh. The Romans present would not know it. because They, they wouldn't not, make the connection. They would yeah. not make the connection because... But had Jesus actually read the Torah with that law in effect that was at that time, he would have got him and everybody else killed in that place. Or maybe just the, the reader or whoever. But if I knew thematically that a portion of the prophets could see the Torah is divided up and matches different portions of the Torah. So if I read that portion and he read Isaiah, I've came mm-hmm, good news. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this from memory, but it's good news to the captive and released mm-hmm. to the prisoner, that kind right, of stuff. Right, uh-huh. Okay, what portion would that line up with? Believe it or not, Thomas, it right, lines up with, whether we're comfortable with it or not, it lines up with the portion of Deuteronomy on how to conduct war against your enemies. He's saying how to conduct war against these Romans. Hmm. Now, whether we like it or not, that's what it lines up with. <laughs> so he's reading it. So the Jews present would know what he's being said from the Torah because the prophets are not anywhere near equivalent to the Torah. So he's reading that. And so what's happening is they know. And in a sense, he's, uh, the, he's reading in front of their face but behind the backs of the Romans. So that's what's really going on. Can I get you to answer another question for us or give us another thought about it, Tomas? I'd love to hear your thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Remember, remember this experience of, of the uh, the disciple named Philip who, uh, uh, when, the, when the Holy Spirit came and the disciples began to move out of Jerusalem, remember the, the entire book of Acts, an outline of the book of Acts, can be found in chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus said, You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. And there's this, there's this. if you take literally what Jesus is saying, you stay in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is going to come in this new era, this new relationship with believers. Now he's going to be the personal escort of every believer to transformation of their life, to maturity, and on into glory. And so now instead of just the Holy Spirit coming upon individuals, for a certain time, he comes upon every believer. Once we have made that decision to trust and begin our walk with the Lord through Jesus Christ, he comes with every believer to permanently stay with us and escort us through the process of sanctification and our transformation of our life and on into glory. And it's a new era. It's a it's a brand new reality of God's dealing with his people. And it potentializes the people of God incredibly empowers the people of God. And that's why we see this explosion across the world of that era. Now, uh, here we have the example of Philip, uh, one of those disciples now, after the coming of the Spirit, witnesses, he talks to this Ethiopian eunuch on the road on the road uh-huh. to Gaza. This Ethiopian who's come down to, uh, he's probably, I suppose, a Jewish uh, uh, a follower of Jehovah, a Jewish man. And he's come to be part of the festival or ceremony in, in, in Jerusalem. And he's making his way back home, probably an upper echelon or upper class uh, individual. 
And Philip uh, sees him reading the book from the book of Isaiah. Oh, from the book of, no, I can't ask you that. Philip witnesses him reading this book. What book of the Old Testament was the eunuch reading from? And why was he confused? Do you have? Would you be able to answer that question for us? He was reading Isaiah fifty-three. Uh-huh. Oh. And, and why was he confused? He was confused because he he, he asked, "Who who is the guy talking about? Somebody that has died then, or is somebody supposed to die later on?" He wasn't sure. Yeah, excellent. Who was, who was supposed to die? Yeah, he knew somebody was supposed to die. Yes, and what's this all about? This 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 idea, this Messiah, this Redeemer, whatever, and he's supposed to be a king and a conquering hero, and here he is suffering and dying. Dying, it doesn't make sense. It seems contradictory. Maybe something yeah. like that. Well, when we come back from our break, we're going to have to are we gonna check go off in just a moment. Yes, we are. Okay. Just a moment. By the way, he, he is right. It does later on. But at that time, they didn't have chapters and verses. So it says he's reading from Isaiah. But then when we get down to... Uh, Chapter 8, verse uh, 32, uh-huh. it gives a reference, and from that reference, we're able to determine what is to presently today called Isaiah 53. Okay, there, thank you for helping us um, get where that answer, where that idea comes from. Tomas, you're yeah. very kind to call in tonight. It's always good to hear from you, buddy. Thank you, sir. God bless you, my friend. Thanks for thank calling. You too. Folks, you can give us a call as well, just as Harold did, just as Tomas did, uh, just as Sandy did, 340-9585, 340-9585. We're going to talk a little bit about this Philip witnessing to this Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, I don't know what the idea of a eunuch has to do with anything, but maybe Jacob will have an insight on that as well. Uh, he was reading from the book of Isaiah, and he was confused about uh, the idea of the suffering Messiah as as opposed, I guess, to the idea of the the conquering uh, Messiah. Uh, maybe that was what was confusing him the 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 different views. And I think uh, at least Jacob, a lot of lot of uh, the teaching I've had over the years, he said that there was a lot of that confusion in the first yeah. century, particularly among the Jewish who well, were looking for this military hero, this deliverer. Well, and and, and, also, and today the Jews still are, and and today, of course, the Christians are. That's the book of Revelation. Da, 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 da. Boom. <laughs> At any rate, um, the, uh, I would like to say the other two questions hanging out there is, ah, uh, shoot, no, it's going to be regarding chapter 10 of Acts and chapter 15 of Acts. 15 is a circumcision, uh, the circ- you know, the famous circumcision chapter, and 10 is about uh, a famous Roman officer, and Peter saw something three times. What was it? What vision was given three times to Peter in Joppa? What was this vision in chapter 10 of Acts? And what was determined at the church council of the book of Acts, of Acts chapter 15? What important decision was made there at that first of the church councils? So you can give us a call. The phone number again is 340-9585. We'd like to hear your answer to these questions. Maybe some of your own questions about the scriptures, about this idea of a relationship with God, what it means. We'd love to hear from you here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Don't go away. Got the time and I'm wasting it slowly. In this moment, I'm halfway out the door. On to the next thing, I'm searching for
This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Just a brief, uh, what, 28, 20, 26 minutes more. You can give us a call, 340-9585. Uh, here are some questions that you can answer from the Scriptures, our readings this past week. If you go to the website, BibleLive.com or TheBibleLive.com, you can find our Bible reading schedule and uh, read through the Scriptures with us each and every year. And here on the weekend, we... So some questions about those passages uh, from the prior week and just kind of go a little, scratch a little deeper uh, into their meaning and their significance for us today. Here's a question from the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 34. Proverbs 14, 34. If sin brings disgrace to a people, what is it that would exalt a nation or exalt a society? All right. So there's one question. Here is another one. I like this one. Um an empty stable stays clean. Okay, get the imagery. An empty stable, where you keep livestock and so on, an empty stable stays clean. But what is the downside? What is the disadvantage to the empty stable? That's chapter 14, verse 4. You know, the the Proverbs are bits, nuggets of wisdom about life, all areas of life, finances, relationships, marriage, children, uh, society, government, politics, uh, nuggets of wisdom about life from a God-centered point of view. The remarkable book of Proverbs. And uh, so this is one of those, uh, one of those Proverbs. An empty, an empty table, stable, an empty stable stays clean. It's easy for me to say, right? But what is the disadvantage of an empty stable. Look at Proverbs 14, verse 4. Now let's go back to the book of Acts. Um, let's see here, this question has not been answered. Uh, Tomas was just gave us the answer to it. When Philip witnessed to the Ethiopian eunuch on the road to Gaza, what book of the Old Testament was the eunuch reading from, and why was he confused? And we determined that it was the book of Isaiah, particularly chapter 53, and we were discussing about this idea that uh, this confusion between these two images of the Messiah. One is a conquering uh, hero, um, a deliverer, a liberator. And the other was a vision of a uh, of suffering servant, uh, one who suffers and is actually uh, killed. So the, the, those are conflicting visions. And, and uh, the, the Ethiopian eunuch may have been struggling between those and didn't understand uh, how... Maybe the relationship between them. We can talk about that a little bit. Uh, that that is something I think it seemed to be confusing to to particularly to uh, Jewish people, serious Jewish people looking forward to the coming of Messiah. Even in that era as well, there seemed to be this compl- this complication, this possible contradiction. Uh, okay, now what vision was given three times to Peter in the city of Joppa? What? Uh, he was he received this vision, the same vision from the Lord three times, and what did this vision mean? Look at chapter ten of the book of Acts, verses eleven through twenty nine, and what was determined at the church council there in Jerusalem? Uh, we see it recorded in Acts chapter fifteen. 
Acts chapter 15, what was determined, what decision was made at the church council in uh, Jerusalem in uh, Acts chapter 15? Uh, Jacob, did you have another question you wanted to... Uh, I was not, no, because we're, we're going to run out of time. But... Okay, let me put one more. I kind of had one myself. The, this is one of my favorite people. Uh, I don't know why, but I think uh, I like this individual. I've always been interested in her uh, of the female uh, persuasion. Um, the first European convert recorded in the book of Acts is a woman in uh, Philippi. She uh, was a, a business a business person, a business a businessman or a businesswoman. What was her name? And what was her business? What was her name? The first European convert recorded in the book of Acts. What was her name and what was her business? You'll find the answer in Acts chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. All right? I also like that name. It's kind of real. It's a pretty name, I think. Okay, kiddo Jacob. Were you giving us some thoughts on on this Isaiah? I was just going to say that the Philippian uh, guy. In this. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Philip and the Ethiopian well, the eunuch. I found interesting. Is, okay. Uh, obviously, the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch, is obviously reading it so we know he can read. Okay. And yet it's, uh, and Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? Uh, verse uh, 8, verse 30. Yeah. Do you understand what you're reading? He says, well, no, how could I unless someone guides me or explains it to me? In other words, what we got is we have a guy able to read but not understanding what he's reading. And the reason I bring that up is... That couldn't have been just him being humble or kind of a turn of a phrase or something. Well, of the era. sure it could be. Okay, well, okay, and, I just wondered. And, and maybe he was just trying to encourage Philip to come out of his shell. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. In fact, that's how Lydia made her living, if you know what I mean. You'll think about that. You'll get it. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so... <clears throat> that's where the thing, the substance she got to make the color yeah. thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, You're, yeah that is that's that right. is don't, a little bit of a, trouble. You a very. You feel free to go right. Yes, uh, that's a little bit of a hint, but just a tiny little bit. You had to know something about uh, the, well, these listen, products. Since nobody's calling in about chapter ten, okay, let's talk about ten. A little All right, bit. and well, fifteen. All right, and that that is this vision of, of Peter, right? The vision that Peter has. Uh, I'll let you, let's answer the question then. Uh, okay. This is that famous situation. Uh, the big picture is that uh, there's this Roman army officer living in Caesarea, which is a, a town you know, bearing, bearing the name of Caesar. Uh, it's on the coast of the Mediterranean, if I remember correctly, uh, uh, a little bit removed from Jerusalem, which is far inland. Uh, so this Roman army officer in Caesarea it, evidently, he's a godly man. Evidently, he's one who truly loves God and seeking after the true and living God. And he is told by an angel to send uh, uh, a messenger, send out uh, someone to go and seek out Peter, the apostle Peter, who is over in Joppa. Now, uh, I've often wondered if this particular uh, Roman army officer might have been um, the, that same... Roman army officer that Jesus met in Jerusalem. Remember when he healed his servant? I've often wondered if there might be a connection, but we're not told. Servant, a male or a female? Who? The Roman officer you're talking about. Female, I believe. Oh, I don't know. I'm asking you. 
Uh, no, no, it's a young well, man. Well, whatever it is, yeah, but okay. I always wondered that. Anyway, oh, okay, okay. But so he, he, this officer is told to send for Peter. Yeah. Meanwhile, Peter over in Joppa, and he sends out these messengers. Right. Meanwhile, Peter over in Joppa is, is receiving these visions from the Lord. Uh, 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 and we were, the question is, what was the vision? What was it that Peter was seeing? And dropping out of the sky. I'll give you a little bit of a hint. And what did the vision mean? Well, can I answer the question? How about a better hint? The answer. <laughs> no, no, no. You no. said we're going to answer the question. I said I, I, I did. I, I gave him a hint that there's something dropping out of the sky. I'll I give you a hint. I'll give you the answer. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was a hint. Okay. Uh, so what was the actual thing? And then what was? Uh, what are we told uh, that it means? Uh, what? We come to understand that it means. All right, uh, Acts chapter ten. Now you want to you want to wax eloquent about well, that? Okay. The reason I bring this one up is, and the reason I reference the thing about the eunuch being asked by Philip. Do you understand what you're reading? Obviously, he's reading it. Well, my point is this: that sometimes you can read things, and you know, you just if you don't know how to take it, you look for somebody to help. Now, if you get a good teacher you're in big luck if you get a guy that really doesn't know much but he's a great salesman yeah you can be sorely misled you can be now, hoodwinked yeah right, so but we clearly we got philip given the correct answer and I, I got no problem with that but i and i'm not gonna don't worry i'm not gonna say any names but sorry, sorry. i was listening to somebody a guy on the radio who well, there's a talk show, you might say. And he says, oh, well, chapter 10 proves that the Jews didn't like the Romans and that kind of stuff. And I just put my hand in my head, and I think, oh, man, I, I feel so sorry for his congregation. Anyway, because it doesn't say anything like that. For example, chapter 10 says exactly <laughs> the opposite. Um, if you look at 10.22, it says, they said Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews. So uh, the stuff, this mythology, the Jews didn't, didn't like people. And I heard this guy on the radio saying, "I just, oh my gosh." Anyway, they hate that, the Samaritans. Yeah, they hate the I Romans. How come somebody? Just now, don't... now, wait a minute. Let me, let me, let me kind of just kind of well, okay, dev- devil's just, advocate I'll just sort of thing. Stop my point and let you go right ahead. They were, they were actually dominating the people of Israel. Yes. Right? Wasn't there a little bit of resentment, maybe, to any slave? Army? Any slave has rage. Any slave has resents rage. the owner or whatever. Well, Is that resent, the idea? I think it's great. The, okay. Rage. You hate somebody as enslaves you. Okay, then what's the problem with Because them? it doesn't say that. Okay, all right. But it you says, just said it. <laughs> no, you asked me a different question. Okay. I gave you a different answer. If you want a careful answer, ask a careful question. All right. There, that, uh, um, so it says, the entire nation of Jews, uh, and he was de- de- uh, divinely directed by a holy angel to spend uh, time to come to your house and give you a message. 23. So he invited them in. This is Peter invites them in. No, Cornelius invites Peter. Oh, no. He, Peter invites the messengers in. Yes. Yeah. It helps so much if we sure. read it. We're on the, Yeah. Um, so Cornelius, and they took him to, and I want you to catch something. This is something that just mm-hmm. just confuses me. And, and quite frankly, I'm quite worried about uh, misteaching. That's why I brought up the issue about sure, it's important. The, you, you, Nick, being mistaught, but he's taught correctly by Phyllis. But what if he wasn't? Mm-hmm. So let's take a look. So at 20, verse 24. Now, that uh, following day, they entered in Caesarea. Uh, now, Cornelius was waiting for them. I want you to look closely. 
and, and he had called together his relatives and his close friends. That's verse 24. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, of course, and then 26, it says, Peter raised him up and said, Look, stand up. I'm just a man like you. Now, 27 and 28 get very interesting. And this is what I heard the guy on the radio absolutely got it 100% wrong. And it's, it's kind of not only wrong, it's, it's mean. 27 and 28. As he talked to him, he entered in and found many people. In other words, Peter, as he talked to Cornelius, he entered in Cornelius' house and found many people assembled. 27. Now, look, let's look at 28. 28, Peter says, and he, Peter, said to him, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him, and yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unclean, unholy, or unclean. Now, here's what I want to say. That is not a Jewish law. The Jewish law is exactly the opposite. The Jewish law is that you are free to share with anybody to ask you a question. There's no prohibition. That, my friend, is a Roman law. Now, you mentioned earlier in the show that I showed you some Roman laws. This is so easily to be discovered, it troubles me when I hear somebody that holds himself out as a preacher misstating stuff. And I think it's because he's been taught anytime you see something bad about a, somebody doing something bad, it's the Jew. But let me what it's about. This is a Roman law. The Roman law is, and this is the penalty. And I did bring it with me. It's basically this. It says that if a Jew was to convert another person who is not a Roman to, let's say, Jewish thought, they both could die. But if a Jew talks to a Roman and the Roman believes it and converts... The Jew still dies, but the listener, if they're Roman, they lose their estate, their property. They are in poverty, but they do not die. That's why back in 27, I'm sorry, 24, when it says, Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together their relatives and their close friends. He had other people there. Peter was being extraordinarily kind and considerate in 27 and 28. When he walks in and sees all these people in 27 and 28, he says, Hey, you know it's unlawful. If I convert you or if I talk to you about this and you decide to convert, what happens is I die. But all of you will be penniless. He's being considered. That's a Roman law. And the reason for that is is that Caesar was not only king, he was God. And so to convert, convert a Roman to another god is like treason. So that's what it's talking about. It's not a Jewish law. But when I hear people say that stuff, I think, who taught you that? Can't you even Google? This is interesting what you're saying. And I back up just a moment to the theme of teachers. Uh, Tomas brought the same question up about uh, Gamaliel being this teacher. Was How effective was Gamaliel as a mentor, as a discipler, a, a teacher for for Saul, mm-hmm. if if later on you know, we find out that, he, at least to the degree we know, we don't sure. really know the. I wish I would know, could know the rest of the story there in the relationship. Maybe Gamaliel, in fact, did end up being uh, converting and coming to the knowledge of Messiah and so on. We just are not well, told. I choose uh, believe in Messiah. Oh, I, I'm not. I'm talking about in the full blown Jesus Christ, okay. the Messiah. Okay. I'm saying we're just never told. 
but then, of course, Saul then converts and becomes the famous missionary apostle Paul of the first of the uh, the beginning of the the, the church age there. Sure. So, uh, it, it, it brings a question about how effective was Gamaliel then as teaching. Well, let me ask his, this: if his we, primary student. Okay. Here's a, here's an example. <clears throat> Pardon me. Let's say that Paul becomes a tremendous disciple, and in the in God's law. When you steal something, you must return it. Agreed? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. okay, sure, of course. You steal ten bucks, you got to return twenty. Why? I, if I give you back the ten I took, what's that mean? That lesson there is, hey, better learn next time. Uh-huh. <laughs> but if I give twenty, I'm giving to myself what it do you. So that's why I got to give back double. Now, in the case of killing somebody, how do you give back? You can't give back. That's the one instance when you can't. So Paul is very, very serious about going to Damascus and even has Stephen killed and he does all these other things. He can't return a life. The only thing he can do is assume that position. That's why he says, I'm a bond servant, I'm a slave. He has to do something to as best he can to repay the lives of the people he took. So he mm. dedicated himself and and I know about the road to Damascus and Jesus and all but he still has to have that. Now, that is Jewish law. You'll find it in Exodus. You'll also find it in And he is a Jewish man. In this. So he knows that. So what was Gamaliel teaching him? He was teaching him that mm-hmm. law. Mm-hmm. So he is following it. And that's well, he spent his entire life being a missionary then. Then we have this next theme, the theme of uh, another teaching situation where you have Philip now teaching and the question brought up about what if you know does he tell the Ethiopian eunuch the right message does he explain it correctly and of course uh, uh, there is a responsibility of a teacher of course uh, and Paul brings that out continually that let not many of you be teachers because there's a great responsibility to teach the truth and to explain the scriptures well and clearly but there's also a responsibility of the listener you know you there are a lot of people who've been subjected to uh, cult, uh, cultic-like uh, teachers, great, uh, maybe very charismatic or very uh, attractive in some way, uh, and they've been led into tremendous, uh, uh, at least doctrinal or spiritual error, many of them even to tragic circumstances. And, and may I say in all fairness and kindness, mm-hmm. mercy even, that sometimes people are sincerely doing the best they can, sincerely meaning to say what they believe is right, but they're also sincerely wrong. But we have the responsibility as listeners as well to uh, weigh the the message of your pastor, of your leaders, and look, is this what the Bible actually teaches? That's why we don't. That's why it's so wonderful that we have these the the great additions and versions of the Scripture that are cl- with clarity and the commentaries and so on for our era, the time in which we live. There's really no reason for anyone to be led into serious uh, doctrinal and spiritual era and, and even into cult-like situations. Well, thank you for mentioning this cult. Yeah, it, cult is indeed when you've got wrong teaching yeah. and reinforced and people start falling into the trap and believing it. Absolutely. But we have a responsibility as listeners as well to, to hold our teachers and our pastors accountable 
Bible from the scriptures and 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 to weigh their words and if you know if they're not true uh, we 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 believe the scriptures rather than men and of course it might mean that we need to go find uh, another congregation a healthier congregation where where the scriptures really are and uh, lifted up and only in interest time because I know we're only got a mm-hmm. few minutes left Let's, can we go on to Acts 15 because yeah something. I, I, I want to come to that as now uh, well is can, anything else to add to this thing about Cornelius and this experience uh, this no I, I do want to say one thing Cornelius this is it's related to the question here uh, because Cornelius you remember folks is a Gentile and this one of the great uh one of the mm, one of the pieces of tension uh, or drama in this era of transition, as Sandy mentioned before in the program, this time of transition was that this was a great ingathering, the sweeping of millions of Gentiles into the worship of Jehovah, the true and living God, through Jesus the Messiah, uh, becoming part, as we told, as Paul explained to us, then part themselves of Israel, God's people, and so they're being grafted in uh, millions of believers now coming into the kingdom. And, and so Cornelius is one of these Gentiles. And the lesson we learn here, as Paul explains and preaches the message of the gospel to the to the people there, I, I assume is relatively simple and straightforward, something like the, the four spiritual laws, the famous... Uh, Peter, Peter, yeah. Uh, Peter, I'm sorry. Peter says, you know, God loves you. Yeah. There's a problem with I don't sin. Think an issue. God made a provision. I and would now, agree that Peter's teaching exactly Cornelius, the gospel as was taught to him by Jesus. Cornelius converted. And we see here they had this experience uh, of what is called speaking in other languages, speaking in tongues. Well, and this came, chapter, this yeah. came to be a, understood as a sign wow. of God's blessing. And God, yeah. In other words, it said to them, hey, okay. Gentiles also are being welcomed now into the people of right. God. And, and uh, so that kind of brings us to the message of Acts chapter 15. Mm-hmm. The big controversy is... Oh, I see what you The do. big controversy right. is how do we... How do we deal with this question of these Gentiles who are coming in to uh-huh. well, uh, believe? Are they required yeah. then to well, keep gonna, all the, the Jewish commandments and laws? Right. There you go. Three minutes left. You're going. I, I just wanted to bring the question up. That's, well, that was why, the question that was well, being well, dealt with in Jerusalem. Okay. At any rate, so, listen, the point is, is that uh, in Acts 15, this is the famous circumcision chapter. Uh-huh. And I want to say something. That... It's usually read and understood that they say, oh, well, you do not have to become Jewish to become a believer in the Messiah. That is and never has been Jewish law. If anybody wants to write this down, they can Google it for themselves. The laws that are cited in Acts 15 are called, in the Jewish world, Noahide laws. I could call a rabbi in Czechoslovakia or Austria and say, well, the Noahide laws, he will give me these laws. So they never had that. This trial is an argument between some people, Jews, who are wrong. And they are insisting that the person has to convert to be a Jew to believe in the Messiah. That's 100%. Be circumcised uh, and all that. That's 100% incorrect. And I'm going to... So they made the right decision. Yes, but my point is that James did not, he did not create new law for the Gentiles, he upheld the law. That has always been the law. In fact, if I may, let me just read something to you. He says, uh, he says, look, it's my judgment that we no longer make the gen- we don't make this burden on the Gentiles. Verse 21. And then look what he says. He says, for Moses from ancient generations has been in every city who preach him since 
He is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Now, so Moses, he's saying Moses ruled on this a long time ago, that non-Jews do not have to be circumcised. They do not have to be Jewish to believe. There is no requirement in Jewish law. It's exactly opposite. And if you don't mind, I'll run over that again. Mm -hmm. James says, for Moses from ancient generations, is verse uh, 21, of Moses from ancient generations in every city, those who preach him, since he is read on the synagogue every Sabbath, does not have to do this. So what he is upholding is the Torah, is Moses' law. So there has never been a requirement that the non-Jews obey, obey all the quote-unquote laws. If they choose to, that's fine. But they're not required to. Mm-hmm. And so what we got is, I know there's a popular misunderstanding that James is freeing the Gentiles from doing other circumcision and all the laws. That is absolutely not correct. And that's why he's saying, and then he reads what's called the Noah laws. Ah! I've never understood this. Never, ever in all the years uh, I've ever heard preaching that this was, James is starting a new law. It's always been what you said. This I was always. Never, and I'll have discreet. I have was never all, heard a preacher say it that way. Uh, I, we've just heard two different preachers then. Because I've always heard they made the right decision because this was, in, this was in fact, Jewish well, law. I, and Jewish I'm glad to hear you say that. I hope you... It helps a little bit. Well, folks, that's that's the time we have. We'll see you next Sunday night. Don't be a stranger. And it's brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. The mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.